All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to uh, the Whitfield Report. This is uh, the Whitfield Report goes to Yalcon. And uh, we are not live streaming this because, as I predicted, the uh, hotel where we're having this convention is, uh, their internet is shit here, to say the uh, least. But uh, joining me tonight, I have my uh, buddy Cole right here, who hasn't been on the show before, but he's in the room here. And uh, then we also have James uh, Pylon at, or is Pillion. That Pillion. Close enough. Uh, as my guest, he's never been on a podcast before, so uh, he wanted to use mine as his first, and I'm honored that I could break your, uh, that I could take your podcast virginity. <laughs> Not so, a problem. Uh, anyway, James, uh, why don't you just tell us about yourself, just in um, well, I'm a chapter president for the first county-based chapter in all of Young Americans for Liberty. I'm a recruitment director for Northern Jersey, um, anarcho-capitalist, hater of the state, lover of people who don't like government. I don't really know okay, what for, else I'm going to cover. First off, and feel free to swear or do whatever you want because it's a fucking podcast, but but yeah. what the fuck is exactly a, an anarcho-capitalist? It sounds cool, and um, I, I might be one, but... One way I've heard of them referred is a logically consistent libertarian. The basic theory behind it is that everything the government does, most things it does are unnecessary, and the few necessary things it does would be done better privately. So it basically advocates for the full abolition of the government and every necessary duty would in, in exchange be given over to the market. I would agree with that for the most part with a few exceptions. Uh, again, uh, I think I, I like, I actually like the idea of a private military mm-hmm. but that's when <laughs> that is we're also recording this in <laughs> Water's hot. <laughs> We're also recording this in a hotel room, so... With a few other mates. Yeah, it's, uh... <laughs> don't worry, we, we, all have our clothes, we all have our clothes on right now, so... Except for the man who just got burnt by the hot water in response of, HOLY SHIT! With the hot water. Uh, the water is hot. It was hot in my room, too. I had to turn it down a little bit. Burnt my hand. It was... It was... It was... <laughs> It was fucking cold for me, for me, and then yeah. like, and then like I had to figure out how to turn it up. Gets hot real quick. Yeah, <laughs> it gets hot quick. It yeah. goes from like it goes from like super freezing cold to like super hot. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah. I mean, I so I would identify myself as a conservative libertarian. So a conservatarian, mm-hmm. uh, basically, like I'm the same way. I hate, you know, the government for the most part. I do believe that we still need. Uh, like a military, a very, a very stripped down military. Like I don't like the whole surveillance, you know. Or being in seven they, countries in unconstitutional wars that are also against the Geneva Convention due to them being offensive. Yeah. That whole thing. Yeah. I, I'm, uh, I'm with you there. I think that we should take care of our wounded veterans, which is another reason why I'm, you know, I wouldn't say I'm a pacifist or like, you know, I'm basically like pro-military but anti-war, and that's. That makes sense. 
Yeah, because you support the people that fight for it, but you'd wish they wouldn't. Well, and also, you meet some of these wounded veterans and, and some of the stories that you hear, they've gone through, you know, really fucked up shit, and then, yeah. have, and then they have to come back and deal with the fucking VA, which is... Horrendous. Yeah, that's, that's definitely something that we should privatize. Unless you ask an American socialist, then that's the ideal healthcare system. But yeah. To anyone who's ever known anyone who's been through it or has eyes, they can tell that it's not a very effective system. Um, so, what do you think of, well, what are your issues that you really hot out first? Like, uh, my biggest issues with the government as a whole as we have now? Yeah. Um, my biggest, my three biggest things that I, I guess would be my, my specialties, I guess, like, Everyone, especially libertarians, have their big issues. Like uh, my state chair, his thing is education all the way. He believes in uh, freedom of choice when it comes to schools. He wants to abolish the Department of um, Education. Pretty much how Nick Frieda spoke with the the grocery store comparison. That's mm-hmm. basically where he falls into, and he totally agrees with what Frieda said. That um, that was one of the most brilliant analogies. Yes, I I've love heard, that analogy, and I'm I'm going to use that now because. Me too. Like, School, I think it works for things other than schools, too. School choice is... Well, school choice is one of those things that I've always been, like, an advocate for, but yeah. it's it's always, like... And this is one of the other things, too, is, like, when you're at a political convention, like, we are... Obviously, everyone speaks the language, you know, so to speak, of politics. We kind of all know our... Yeah, there's all some level terms. of baseline in intelligence. But when you're, like, at home with just your neighbor in the neighborhood at, like, a fourth of July, m- most of the time, like... You start talking, you know, like, ANCAP or, you know, even, like, you know, standard libertarianism, and they're, like... Yeah, it gets right. Or, or school choice, and they're, like, what is that? And Yeah. So, like, the grocery store analogy, I'm definitely going to use that, so... I've used it myself already, because I saw... I went to the uh, Yao Khan in Philadelphia, and he, he gave the same analogy, and I've, I've used it. Um, both of my parents work in public schools. I showed it to both of them. Um, I don't know if it'd be seen as a good idea or bad. Um... My, yeah, my stepmom's a teacher and my dad works in the tech department. Um, and I showed it to my dad. I'm, I'm pretty sure that, that they both heard it. And, um, yeah, so that's an example of his. I'm not super up to date on the whole, um, I know that the, uh, Department of Education was only made back in, like, the 70s because, bless you, you're good, because, um, Jimmy Carter wanted the support of the teachers' unions. Yeah. And the teacher union said, if we can centralize education, we'll back you. And he said, deal. So that's where the Department of Education came from. Pressure yeah. on the president from the teachers' unions. So it wasn't even seen as, like, a necessary thing. Bless you again. You, you feel free to... Yeah, to you're allowed sneeze, to sneeze. Like, it's all totally. good. Um, he already said your name, so they know you're here. So if your only contribution is sneezing, I think that's okay. Um, but anyway, so... That's his specialty. I'm not super up to date that. It is something that I want to learn more about because I feel like it's definitely something you can kind of get people over on. But my biggest things, when I look at the the state of things in America, um, foreign policy is definitely a biggie for me. Um, it wasn't originally a big thing of mine until like two or three months ago, and I'm trying to learn more about it. Um, I, do un- I do understand that we're in seven wars, none of which were declared by Congress, which makes them unconstitutional. None of which were defensive, which makes them offensive wars, which makes them against the Geneva Convention, therefore war crimes. So I am up to date on that. Um, I also consider myself somewhat up to date on the Israel-Palestine conflict and how Israel is a full-fledged military state and 
Palestine is basically civilians fighting back against a militaristic government occupying their territory and murdering 532 children alone in 2014. So foreign policy is something I'm trying to catch up on. But my three biggest things I'd say are, like if I'm to move to a state, the three biggest qualities I'm looking for are gun laws, drug laws, and taxes. Yeah. Those are the three biggest things to me. If the state has bad on any of those, I'd really rather not live there, which is tough because I'm in Jersey. Yeah, well, come to f- move to Florida. Yeah, in the Freedom in the 50 States, a website developed by the uh, Cato Institution, um, freedominthe50states.com, I think, it's either .com or .org, they have a freedom index where they rate every state on overall freedom, and then they also rate them in uh, personal freedom, financial freedom, regulatory freedom, stuff like that. And then they also take it all the way down to tobacco freedom, cable freedom, healthcare freedom, wow, education freedom, anything you can imagine, tobacco, weed, guns. Everything. Zoning laws, asset forfeiture, literally anything you can imagine, they have it covered. Um, And Florida is actually number one for overall freedom. But from the reading I've done, I think that even though Florida is missing a few freedoms, but the freedoms they do have, they don't compromise on. And Nevada, I've seen, they have all the freedoms. They just compromise a bit on some of them. Like with victimless crimes, gambling and prostitution are legal. When it comes to gun laws, there's no prohibition on kinds of rounds you can buy, size of mags you can get, pretty much the type of gun you can buy unless it's full auto. Um, open carry is totally legal. Concealed, you just have to get a permit for and From what I've heard, it's relatively easy to get permits. Yeah. Uh, no state income tax. Uh, I don't think they have a sales tax. I could be wrong on that. And recreational marijuana. So even though there's a few places where they could have a bit more freedom, they could have constitutional carry. Um and I'm sure that whatever taxes they do have on property um, could be lowered if necessary. But overall, it seems to be a pretty good compromise compared to all the other states that we got. So that was one I was considering moving to. But due to climate and the geography of it, it'd be a bit rough. So I'm still on my search for the perfect state. Yeah, I, uh, I originally... I'm born and raised in Colorado, so I actually moved in 2013 to Florida after I uh, graduated high school. I mean, Colorado, it's interesting because I've talked to a couple of people here, and they're like, oh, you're from Colorado, so obviously the marijuana law is a thing there. And the one thing I always tell people is I'm pro-marijuana, like legalization. I don't necessarily agree with the way that Colorado did it, which was basically let's legalize and then figure out like all the shit for afterwards mm-hmm. because what's happening now is like they're getting problems like people driving while stone and getting in wrecks they're they're getting they're get, having problems of like you know kids like accidentally eating pot cookies in like stores and you know not that that's really going to harm kids in the long term but like you know they basically did what what Penance what Nancy Pelosi did with Obamacare, which was, we have to pass it to find out what's in it. Yeah. Whereas, like, I think I think no matter what the lie is, we need to, like, figure out, like, okay, we want total uh, marijuana legalization. Let's figure out everything in regards to implementation uh, before we enact it, as opposed to yeah. the other way the other way around so the two statistics i've seen on it which from what you've just said they could be inaccurate but from what i saw um use by adults after legalization actually went up but use by minors went down yeah and 
the majority of crashes, they were also drunk. Yeah, that... Which, drunk driving is somewhat high everywhere. And enforcement really hasn't stopped. That's another way that the free market has stepped in because they've been pulling people over and ticketing them for drunk driving forever, which I think Lou Rockwell made a pretty good argument for the legalization of drunk driving, whether you're going to go that route or not. But anyway, with in reference to the driving high and stoned, there's issues of drunk driving in every state. And no matter how much they enforce it, they've been enforcing it forever. And it started to come down around the time that Uber, Lyft, and other ride-sharing options came out, which is once again I see a free market, non-coercive, non-violent solution to a problem the state just uses violence for. Yeah, well, Uber right, Uber right now is like trying to work on a thing for uh, accessible rides, and the the public transit unions are all trying to crush that right now. I mean, yeah. So right now they're trying it in London, which is stupid because, I mean, London there there are basically like no handicapped people there anyway. So it's, I mean, there are in some, but like the percentage is very stupid. So yeah. you know, they want to try it in the U.S., but because of the ADA and whatnot, that I mean, it's all very. So just to make sure I'm getting this right, Uber wants to offer rides to handicapped people, and the government is saying no. Ba- yeah, ba- basically they're say- basically they're saying there's you know they're they don't meet ADA a compliance, which I mean the ADA is the one piece of like government legislation that I do think is good mostly, um, but again that's it it depends largely on how the state implement yeah. implements it, um, like like everything else. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think I think that's the other thing. Like, I'm not opposed to Medicaid, Medicaid or Medicare at like the state level. I just think that the federal government is awful at regulating anything and mostly everything. Yeah. So my issue with Medicaid would be the same thing as my issue with any other thing from government is that it's every anything the government gives you, it has to take from someone else, and as someone who's against any form of theft or any form of violence or any form of coercion except for in the form of self-defense can't really back any of that. Mm-hmm. Um, so even in the case of Medicare, it's still relying on taxation to fund it, and I think there'd be more voluntary ways to do it. Like I just met um, – there's a meme page here. I don't know if you talked to them. Uh, Liberty Memes? Yeah. They're a Facebook group, and it's just a Facebook group that posts memes. And even they're raising money. They just told me there was a, a little girl. I forgot I forgot her exact age. She was under eight, I believe. I forget. It was like six, seven. I think she, I've, I've seen around here. Yeah, and she was about to... Uh, she was going to go blind. And they raised like a few grand for her. And they helped her out. Wow. So I think that should be the way that we go about things more. And then another, another yeah. example of, uh, of voluntary solutions to this as compared to compulsive, coercive, and forceful is actually... Um, I'm sure you've heard of this it's sometime, but GoFundMe, one-third of GoFundMe's campaigns are for medical reasons. Yeah. Which makes them, even though they're not an insurance company, since they kind of pay for procedures, you can look at them in a way, and due to the amount of people they coverage, that they are the largest insurance provider in the country. 
all funded by other people who just want to help each other. So I think that should be more of the steps that we're looking towards. And um, another solution to the whole um, charity thing is I actually have um, Ron Paul's The Revolution, a manifesto with me. I was trying to get him to sign it. That's why I brought it, but wasn't able to catch him uh, right. with a pen in the book. But he mentions, which I've thought of the way of we just shouldn't use force on people, but he thought of an even better way where some people think that they are – done and they have no responsibility to help others They're like i pay my taxes that's a response it's like oh like you're saying that we need to help all these people but what do you do and like oh i pay my taxes and he was like if if we got rid of all the entitlement programs would charity offers go up or down pretty much everyone says up even people surveyed say it would go up they would say that if all these things went away they would feel more of a responsibility to help people than they do now. That's actually an argument that, and a lot of people are surprised by this when I bring this up, but Ben Shapiro has actually advocated um, that. And I, I actually, I mean, that that is, I'm all for separation of church and state as far as the government goes, but liberals oftentimes love to use that as a separation of church from society now. Yes. And that's unfortunate because I think there are lots of, you know, good faith-based uh, groups, whether or not you're a Christian, you know, or yeah. religious that just want to help people in general. Yeah. And, um, you know, they, they for whatever reason, can't because they don't have, they don't have the, uh, you know, backing of people. People just automatically assume that the government is going to, uh, you know, do, do stuff. Yeah. So. Two examples right off the top of my head. I mean, back to Ron Paul. He actually worked in a, uh, in a church hospital back in the day for like two bucks an hour just helping people who couldn't afford health care um, which is funny because in a debate someone mentioned that Ron Paul just hates the poor because he doesn't like taxes Yeah, I've... which from all he's done for poor to argue that he doesn't like them or doesn't care about them is just absurd but anyway another, another um, great case I've seen simply on the religious sense since that's the most recent reference you made is um, a company called MediShare and they have their issues. I read a review. It was um, a review from an actual Christian who, who wrote the review, and he listed his grievances with them. Um, and what MediShare is, is everybody pays money into it a month, uh, like you would insurance, mm -hmm. and then it pools the money, and when you need a procedure, the money is pulled out of the pool. Right. And that's the way that they operate. But there's a few issues with it because, one, um, since they're not seen as an insurance company and there's a lot of regulations on hospitals to accept insurance companies, right, yeah. a lot of people can't have MediShare to cover them. And they have to get the bill from the hospital to them. They have to send it to MediShare. MediShare decides if they'll accept it or not. And then they send it back. And there's actually a bunch of crap that um, they're not – like there's a lot of stuff that they won't cover. And another thing is they won't even – you're not even allowed to join unless you're a Christian. So they have a lot of their flaws, and it's not the best company you could have. Right. But it's something, and they're trying it, and it could probably be more popular without all the regulations we have. Because when it works, it does a pretty good job. Like, like I said, it's not the best company, um, and some people – some Christians that joined it argue that 
Christians are supposed to follow Christ, therefore act like Jesus, and Jesus wouldn't turn someone away from care for not being a Christian, so he doesn't think they should either, which that's more of a theological argument than a libertarian one, but... Um, so they're doing some good things is basically the gist of it, and they companies like that could probably be more popular if it wasn't for all the government regulations preventing it and all the regulations they have on hospitals from not even accepting it if it's allowed to go. Yeah, I I can... I completely agree. And durable medical is something like, you know, is very similar too. I mean, durable, durable medical wheelchairs and you know whatnot. The reason that costs so much is because of the, uh, because of the government regulations. Like first off, this one was the exception because it's not FDA approved. But like my other main power chair, I had to go through a whole process of getting like, you know, a, a certified doctor's letter, a prescription, and a prescription. In addition to that, saying that I need that, then I had to fill out paperwork with the state and go through Medicaid, and it took about like six months. Yeah. When all when all was said and done, That's and like I and like I got it, and you know the one thing I will say for Florida Medicaid is because it's Florida, and because they're very good at like cracking down on you know, like the turnaround on it was very fast. So like I said. I'm not necessarily opposed to Medicaid as long as it's efficient and as long as they're cracking down on, like, fraud and whatnot. That's another big issue with it, too. But see, yeah, Medicaid has just become, like, a big, you know, fraud thing, too. And, like, what they now define as, like, a disability is basically, like, someone with a drug, you know, addiction problem. Now, granted, I'm sympathetic to people who have drug problems at the same time. I'm sorry, but that's not the same. It shouldn't be covered by the state, no. And it shouldn't be classified as a disability either, in in necessarily the same way that my... You know, they should have, like, different levels if they have to have anything. Yes, I I agree. Um, And then in exchange for Medicare, I think that'd be a great place for a nonprofit to swoop in that could still cover that. So even in absence of a state, even an entitlement program like that could still be offered and still be functioned because there's nonprofits now that do stuff like that. Like kids who can't afford, um, like prosthetics, there's companies that will 3d print them. So there are nonprofits like that already. And if there were even less regulations and prices could come down, which is due to government regulation. Some people try and say that it's the greediness of the hospitals, which is part of it to some extent that they don't have to disclose their pricing. But there's a chart, I forget the company that offers it, but it's a chart that shows the pricing of everything over the past, I forget how many years, and things that aren't touched by government, like home stuff, televisions, um, kitchens, clothing, all that kind of stuff. Price has gone down drastically. Cars have stayed about the same. The two biggest things the government is involved in, healthcare and college, skyrocketed. They went up in the same way that everything else went oh, down. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a solid 45-degree curve straight up, and it's due to government interfering. And the way that we can show this is LASIK has almost no government regulation to it, and price-wise, it was one of the fastest decreasing prices of a medical operation you could get. Yeah. Um... Another topic that I've covered with some people here is uh, cens- is uh, censorship, and obviously, I mean, there's the big thing right now of conservatives and libertarian 
channel is getting censored by, you know, YouTube and big, and big technology. Uh, what's your take on that, and what what do you propose as a solution? Because I I'm very mixed on this. As, yes, as it's a, it's definitely a tough issue. Um, I I was kind of mixed on it too, and I was listening to. I was trying to formulate my own viewpoint because obviously, as someone who believes that private companies have their own rights, um, while I do think that these companies give up some level of rights in receiving gun, uh, money from the government, I do think that they give up some rights. But yeah. even if they were totally private, um, I wholeheartedly support their right to ban whoever they want. But that doesn't mean I think that it's the right thing to do. Right. Or that I think it's okay, and that I don't think it's kind of disgusting to ban someone simply because you don't like what they're saying. While I think they have the right to, um, just like I think someone has the right to shit in their backyard. If I went over to your house, I'm going to think it's pretty gross, but it's your property. You have the right to do so. So I tried to come up with my own thought because, well, I guess I was trying to come up more with a solution because I have my thought. It's a private company. They can run it however they want. That's already solid. I already know that for a fact. So I had to come up with a solution. And I listened to a few from a few different people. There were some libertarians saying like, oh, just make your own social media. Um, which I mean, there are, I've seen a chart that shows the equivalence of all of them. There are other equivalents. It's just that they're, they don't have the way to get the marketing out. And There, there are, but, but, the, but the problem with that, and this is where I do, where I actually do say in part, where I am in favor of Google specifically being, maybe not regulated by the government, but broken up. Google has such a big n- monopoly on everything, yeah. From servers to like hosting, that okay, let's say you get kicked off YouTube, like Amazon and Google both control so much like server space that, that they almost act like like a government. Um, you know themselves mm-hmm. so so this whole thing you know is like brought out a weird thing for me personally because i i hate the idea of the government regulating like any sort of private entity yeah i totally get you and yet at the same time it's like well but if that private entity is basically acting like the government and once they're getting embedded with the government too like google has done are they really? Are they? Can they really scream? My private company when when they're literally jumping in bed with, with the government too. I mean that that's that's a philosophy, that's a philosophical debate that I've been having amongst myself. I think that the ones that do get in bed with these companies definitely do forfeit some level of private rights. Mm-hmm. Um, now there are alternatives, and those alternatives. They're kind of being screwed over by the mass media, which is owned by the same people who own all these huge social media companies, but – or at least the same type of people, the people with the same beliefs, the people with the same ideas of if you're not a leftist, your opinion should be silenced. Yeah. People with that style of belief, they own all of the mainstream entertainment, all the mainstream social media. So the alternatives like uh, Gab – the news has shown that Gab is nothing but a bunch of Nazis. I've been on Gab. That's not the case. Yeah, oh, there probably yeah, are some. I've been on... Yeah. But I've, there's... I've seen Nazis and everything. I've seen Nazis on Instagram. I spoke to a Nazi on Instagram. 
Um, obviously, I am against the existence of government, and I'm against violence towards other people, and she was for socialism, because let's be honest, Nazism is national socialism, um, and she was also for the genocide of an entire race of people, so obviously we had differences, but yeah, I still spoke to her nonetheless, and she's since been banned, but so here's, here's the solution I see, um, so like I said, I've been, I've been trying to think of my own solution, and I've also been listening to the solutions of a bunch of libertarians, and I'm willing to admit my top three, I guess you could say, idols in this realm. It would be, or at least the people I listen to all the time, would be Tom Woods, Scott Horton, and Dave Smith. I'll admit, those are my top three. I've, I've only heard of Dave Smith. He's, he's great. And his solution was similar to the bus riots during the Civil Rights Act. Those buses had the right to say that people of a certain race had to sit in a specific spot or not pick them up. But it's a disgusting thing to do, and you can use non-forceful methods to reduce their revenue and pressure them to do things you want. Like, they boycotted the buses, so that was one thing that worked. They could have made their own busing company, possibly, but it was mostly boycotts and social pressure that overchanged these. And we've seen the power of social pressure today. It may not have been from the same, like, drastic, disgusting civil rights violations, but I believe it was H&M made a shirt that said, Coolest Monkey in the Jungle, Mm -hmm. and they modeled it on a little black boy, and the left saw it as a race thing and got outraged, and the shirt was recalled almost instantly. So... The biggest issue, I think, the right, or maybe not the right in particular, but libertarians and anarcho-capitalists and minarchists and voluntarists and all the other splinters that fight with themselves more than the established politicians, um, their biggest threat is we're all individualists. Right. We don't have the sheep mentality that the left has that Antifa has of just, oh, this is the bad thing, let's go get some milkshakes. Or the other thing that they do, which this was a study done in Germany, I believe. So it's similar in America, but it's not exactly the same. But what they found was that a huge number of these leftist protesters actually still lived with their parents, and a decent percentage were still on welfare. So... The right is more like, takes more pride in working. They take more pride in having a job. They take more pride in not relying on the government. So we don't have as much time, if you want to consider me right. I mean, I guess on like a political compass test they would be, but if you go by Murray Rothbard or any other libertarian thinkers, they say libertarianism is neither left nor right. Um, I see it almost as a compromise. Right. But um, anyway, so... We tend to have jobs, so we can't just walk around and throw milkshakes on people all day. And we also tend to not be, not have the sheep mentality where we just do whatever others say and just follow the herd. We tend to think for ourselves. And when everyone thinks for themselves, it's like as someone mentioned during conference today, it's like herding cats. It's very difficult to do. And it's like herding cats to get normal people to do stuff. Hurting, not hurting as he also had to clarify. Um, But like people, 
cats tend to do whatever they want. So instead of pushing them from the back and herding them in a direction, you have to incentivize them. And people are a similar way, where they don't really... They're, they're, they're all individuals. Even though some have more of a sheep mentality than others, there is some level of individualism amongst most people. And then in political circles like us, it's even worse. The divide and the individualism, I don't know why I refer to it as worse. It's more extreme, I guess I should say. I don't find individualism to be a bad thing. I think out of um, globalism, nationalism, and individualism, I think individualism is far by the safest for society overall and far by the safest for people. Um, but the divide is stronger and the individualism is stronger in individualist circles. So it's a lot harder for us to rally behind the same cause because one, we don't have time to just stand outside of headquarters all day and complain because we have jobs. And two, it's hard to get us unified, but there are people in the Liberty communities that are working on trying to get that next. Yeah, that, it's very interesting because I, I keep hearing that we're individualistic and I don't disagree, but I mean, the humor of Sione is that we all did come together as a collective to talk out individualism and yeah. liberty. That, that, that's always kind of the humorous thing is we talk about individualism, yet we always come together as a collective group to, which I mean, there's nothing, there's nothing wrong with that. I think it's good, it's just humorous. I think it could be seen slightly as less of a collectivist and maybe more of a cooperative, where we're not really all the same, we're more people with differences that can cooperatively get together and talk them out instead of raising the black flag, putting on a hood, and beating elderly men with bike locks. Yeah. Yeah, no, no, we, uh, we like to, uh, you know, converse over drinks and what, yeah. whatnot. No, yeah, the political violence, and, and I mean, the Lots have been doing it for roughly 40 years. I mean, that, that's, their, that's their main first, you know, response. Yeah. Is, you know, I mean, you know, you say anti-historic milkshakes, and I'm trying, I'm not, I'm not trying to laugh, but I mean, who would have thought that milkshakes, of yeah. all things, would be used as, you know, deadly weapons? Yeah, it's it's interesting. I don't think anyone would have really expected it. Um, I think that's another thing that's kind of funny because while there's a lot of people on the right that I really don't agree with on much of anything, um, especially more of the mainstream, even the mainstream people who claim to be libertarians, like there's a few things here and there that I agree with Ben Shapiro on, but overall I think he has his issues. Uh, I agree with Steven Crowder on more things, but overall he also has his issues. And yeah. yet, none of them advocate for the silencing of their opponents. Instead, they invite them on their shows. And they say, if you disagree with me, let's talk it out. Dave Smith just did it, too. All of them are like, if you disagree with me, let's talk it out. Yet, the people who assault people for voicing their opinions and wanting to have peaceful conversations are seen as the fascists by the left. And I think that's the real irony of it, because... While there are there are definitely authoritarian, violent assholes on the right, wholeheartedly. Richard Spencer. <clears throat> More than just him, I would I would advocate anyone who supports war is a sadistic asshole. I would say anyone who watches a video of a cop mercilessly beating someone, or 
even when they just throw someone to the ground and shoot them. Or there's videos where the cop will tell someone to do something, they do it, and then they shoot them. There was a man, I forget what state it was in, it could have been Virginia. And it's an open carry state with no permit. You don't need any permits to carry. And he had a gun. Cops were aiming a gun at him, told him to get on the ground. He got down low. They said, put the gun down, put the gun down. He wasn't even holding it. It was on his waistband. He reached down to grab it to put it down like they instructed him. He put his hand down and they opened fire and shot him. Um, There was another video of a 14-year-old handicapped boy. I think he had um, autism, some some level of mental disability. And he he was handcuffed to a medical bed. Yeah. And he shouted at the cop or spit at him or something. And the cop just starts punching this kid in the face. A 14-year-old handcuffed to a bed. And there are people who see that and think it's okay. And it tends to be the right. So there are some disgusting people on the right. Yeah. I will admit that. Do I think if someone says something bad or if they're an asshole, they deserve to be assaulted? Absolutely not. If you call the violence... Yes. So I actually had I actually had a someone from Antifa message me and threaten to dox me and he was trying to get answers out of me that I wouldn't give him because I didn't feel that way. He asked me, he was like, Okay, so we both claim to be anarchists right out the gate. I was like, Okay, this dude's probably not an anarcho capitalist because he wouldn't say we both claim. Um and he said, um, like if how was the, what was the way he worded it? What what's the way that we should that we should further um, the ideas of anarchism? And I was like, I think we need to do it through education, because most people on most mainstream people on Democrats or Republicans, I've met people who don't know what anarchism is, let alone anarcho capitalism. How you've never heard anarchism doesn't even make sense to me because it's become a mainstream thing. The mainstream has a has an incorrect interpretation, um, not even just. The idea that anarchists are people in black hoods who throw Molotov cocktails. But if you look up the definition of anarchism, or at least anarchy, in Webster, the first definition is chaos and disorder, which isn't really... It's an actual, fully thought out, well thought out political ideology. So to say that it's just a state of chaos is clearly just kind of a ploy done by, I don't want to say the mainstream, because I don't think it's quite the mainstream, but a ploy done by society as a whole that they just can't even consider the idea that maybe the violent institutions that they fund, that people constantly complain about, everyone always bitches about the DMV and then turn around and say they want the company that runs the DMV to run their health care, and somehow think that's a good idea. But, um... Yeah, I. so while I think that someone making a call to action like like members of the KKK who say that they want these people killed, there are some members of the KKK that are just fat 50-year-olds that like barbecue and don't like black people. And while I find them to be disgusting humans, if all they say is I don't want to associate with them, it's not, I don't think that's really deserving of violence. But anyway, yeah. so what this what this Antifa guy was... Well, let me finish this statement first so I don't leave it uh, unanswered because this one's a little shorter so I might not get back to it. But um, if someone is saying that they want a specific person harmed or they want a group of people harmed and they're saying, 
go harm this person or I will harm this person. That's a threat of violence, which isn't really covered, even by the non-aggression principle. If you look into, like, Rothbard, who's seen as the most anti-government guy there is, he says straight up, if someone walks up to you and has a gun on their waist and says, give me your money or I'm going to shoot you, you don't have to wait for them to pull out the gun and defend yourself. That is a threat of violence right there, which you can equally defend as if it is an act of violence. But anyway, so... On to the other thing. So he was like, how do you think we should further anarchism? I'm assuming it was he. It was actually a brony. And the profile picture was just my little pony. So I don't know if it was a guy or a girl. Uh, I said they're a ninth grader from Sweden. So it was a really interesting conversation. But they asked me what they should do, what we should do. And I was I think we should work on educating people. And I said, I don't know where you fall on the spectrum. I said, but left and right anarchists, we have more in common than either one of us do with statists. While most ANCOMs probably want me dead, I don't have to hurt them. They just want to assault me because of my existence. Um, Because I think money should exist, which is a natural result of trading, if you look at monetary theory. Um, It's just the most saleable good. Corn can be money. So are we going to ban corn and kill people for selling corn or trading with corn? I don't think so. But anyway... um, He's like, so how should we further it? And I said, through education. I said, anarchists and libertarians fight over the smallest differences. ANCAPs and ANCOMs fight over differences. We should work on bringing these people down. We need to work on bringing Democrats and Republicans down on the authoritarian scale. Instead of bringing, like, people talk about right unity. That's me uniting with General Pinochet who threw people out of helicopters for their ideology. We're incompatible. You cannot... We are nowhere near compatible. I think he's a revolting person. Um, Did he do some good things for his economy? Yeah, but Germany did okay too. Do I think it's even almost excusable what was done? Absolutely not. I actually look at Germany as a pretty good example of socialism because what do the Nazis do? They found a rich group. The Nazis were, sorry, not the Nazis. The Jews were very rich in Germany at that time. And a lot of other Germans were quite poor. Um, so he was like, oh, these people have a lot of money. They must be the people that are victimizing us. Um, so he made a campaign, targeted these people out, threw them in camps, took all their money, took all their shit, and they had money. And then, once they ran out of other people's money, as socialists tend to, they collapsed. Um, Obviously, partially they collapsed because they were in a ginormous war, but I think even if they didn't collapse and even even if they weren't in the war, that system is still not a sustainable system. And so anyway... All these different break-offs aside, this guy was messaging me, and I said that we need to bring people down. Um, If left anarchists and right anarchists or libertarians and any anarchists are always bickering with each other over what the name of the company should be who builds roads, we're not going to get anywhere. Like, me and you, obviously, we're different. I don't think we should have any government. You're a conservatarian. We're, We're in different places. That's totally fine. Neither one of us has to switch sides or anything. But me and you arguing over tiny differences isn't going to accomplish nearly as much as either one of us bringing 
a Republican down or even bringing a Democrat down, they're going to be much less likely to listen to us because out of the two, they tend to be more closed-minded. Once again, while there are a lot of closed-minded people on the right as well, mostly neocons, um, but it's definitely a big issue on once I, like I said, it's, it's obviously an issue on both sides, but it is definitely a problem that anarchists, I think anarchist unity, while it would clearly have its issues as the left wants, the left anarchists want the right anarchist head on a pike, but if the left anarchist and the right anarchist, if we could just shake hands for a little bit and say, okay, once we get this stake on, we'll work on what we're doing. We could get so much more done because I see anarchist unity as much more realistic than right-wing unity. And um, my transformation on how I got to an ANCAP was in elementary school. I didn't like right or left and kids always mocked whatever their parents said. Well, not mocked, but they would say whatever their parents said. So their parents was Democrat. They'd be like, I'm a Democrat or I'm a Republican. So I always called myself an independent. Um, I think I got that from my dad. And then in 10th grade, I found out what libertarianism was. And I was like, I am that wholeheartedly. Um, middle of senior year, I found an anarcho-communist podcast called the Ex-Workers Podcast. Started to listen to it. I liked a lot of what they were saying. A lot of their ideas on the issues with the idea of government themselves, I was on board with. The ideas of assaulting people for having a different opinion, not so much. But there was stuff I agreed with them on. And I listened to that for a while and then I started to research, research, research. And then I found out about anarcho-capitalism. And I was like, oh my god. It's the awesomeness of libertarianism with the freedom. And you're able to make your own decisions. No one's going to steal your money. No one wants to steal your stuff and give it to people. Um, even though a lot of people would be totally fine voluntarily giving their resources. These people would rather just steal it. Um, and... Then you also have the anti-state sentiments of the anarchist rantings I previously heard. So anarcho-capitalism seemed perfect for me. It just made perfect sense. Um, And from what I heard on that anarcho-communist podcast, they, they actually did two episodes. They did one episode that said anarchy is not capitalism and anarchy is not communism. So, from what I heard in the Anarchy is Not Communism, left unity isn't even likely. Mm -hmm. So, right unity isn't likely. I mean, the ideas are compatible in any form. Left unity isn't likely. Anarchist unity would be rough once we got rid of the state, because then we're on complete opposite terms. One's all the way to the left, one's all the way to the right. So, it would be rough. But if we could just work on bringing people to want less of the state because there is stuff that we that we do agree on we agree on the less less authoritarian stuff and if we could focus if the left and right could get together the left and right anarchists i should say could get together we'd actually be able to bring some stuff together like left anarchists they're not big fans of police they're not big fans of borders they're not big fans of war right our anarchists don't like any of those either so if we could team up and bring them down I think it could possibly be a good unity. But anyway, so this guy was asking me, uh, and I, I basically said that. I said that in a much shorter sense. <laughs> Sorry about that. But anyway, so it basically covered that 
left and right, we should work on bringing them down. Um, and he was like, oh, well, I don't focus in ideology. And I was like, okay. He was like, I definitely don't see ANCAPs rioting. And I was like, yeah, we wouldn't because that's a violation of property rights and destroying people's property isn't a good way to get them to listen to you. They're probably going to not like you. Um, and he was like, well, I'm Antifa. And I was like, okay, I still don't think what you do is a good idea. And then he sent me my initials is like a, I'm going to dox you thing. And I was just like, okay, like I just didn't really acknowledge it. And he asked me what I thought about if the Jews had a right to fight against Nazis. I was like, of course they did. They were initiating violence against them. Of course they had the right to. And there's actually a Holocaust survivor who said this that I wholeheartedly agree with, where she said, I see what's happening in America. I see the way that the American government is trying to take your guns. The German government did it to the Jewish people, which is true. The night after, yeah. the day after Kristallnacht, Hitler took away the rights of the Jews to own, buy, or sell firearms and ammunition. So, and then soon after, we know what happened. goes by the name of the Holocaust. So... We know what happens when governments take away guns from the people because every single dictator in all of history has disarmed their civilians before slaughtering them. And they also, ironically, they also always use the uh, we need to protect the children yes. from, from guns too. Which Yes, and then they put up gun-free zones, which is where 97% of mass shootings happen. And all of them did it. Stalin, Mussolini, uh, Idi Amin, Mao Zedong, Pol Pot, all of them disarm their civilians before slaughtering them. Venezuela, 2012. They took away their mm-hmm. citizens' right to own guns, and now they're running them over with military vehicles. Everyone says tanks. It's not a tank. It's like a Humvee. Still not a good thing to run people over with. Um, especially your own civilians that have no weapons to harm you with, although they totally should. And I wish we could get something down there. Just get some some of these crazy militias defending... Like up in Oregon when they when the militia escorted Republicans out of the state because they didn't want to vote on a bill and they wanted the bill to die, and they escorted them out of the state while the police were after them. If we could get militias like that to just airdrop some rifles into Venezuela, we wouldn't need to go in there. We wouldn't need military interventionism. We wouldn't need another war. We wouldn't need to go more into debt until our economy collapses, which can't be too far off. Um, but anyway, so he was like, "So what do you think?" And I was like. If someone just, if someone simply says, I don't like Jews, no, you can't assault them. But if they say, I want them to die, or we need to put them in cages and exterminate them, yes, that's a threat of violence. You can't do that. That is a threat of violence that will directly lead to violence. Um, It's not a victimless crime when you're saying, when you look at someone and say, I want to kill you. Um... Many things are victimless crimes. Well, they're not really crimes if there's no victim. But many things are considered victimless crimes. Threats of violence, of actual threat of violence, not being white around people who aren't. That's not a threat of violence. Not a threat of colonialism. But looking at someone and saying, I want to kill you and your entire family and everyone related to you, is a call to force and a threat to violence. And that's not okay. So that's basically what I said. I said, if the Nazi party, which I wholeheartedly disagree with, even if they didn't do all the terrible atrocities they committed, 
the fact that they're socialists is enough for me to not be on board. So I could support them. Not only do I not support them ideologically and authoritarian-wise, but I can't even support them economically. So, anyway. There's such a small percentage of, of the popu- population, though, too. And this is... Oh, yeah. Some, it's minuscule. This is something I brought on the uh, on the podcast, too. Like, I, I love... I, and I'm not too into conspiracy theories, but mm-hmm. I kind of feel like this whole alt-right thing has kind of been manufactured by the by the left and maybe by some establishment right people because like uh, because honestly like you know because like you know most of these alt-right people are like just so you know fringe and yeah I've, I've, I've heard that argument too um and another thing that when you silence these people they covered this in a mini documentary yesterday yeah you give them a platform especially these groups that claim to be victims you give them a platform and there was something that Dave Smith covered on one of his shows where there was a kid who no girls liked him he was just an incel basically and he basically went down the alt-right rabbit hole and his parents didn't like it. They were like, what the hell happened to our kid? Well, anyway, this kid wanted to go to an alt-right rally. And his parents were like, we really disagree with it, but we support free speech. So they took him. He met some alt-righters, was utterly disgusted by the people, and wanted nothing to do with it. When these ideas are made public, that's what can happen. Because when you silence them you give them the platform to go to kids that feel disenfranchised and say, hey, they're trying to silence us, but we know the truth. Right. That, that's, also why I'm, that's also why I'm directly opposed to what YouTube is doing with censoring. Yeah. Know, because under- we should know who the crazy people are, not yeah. silence them. Well, and, and see, like, that's what I was trying to do on my show, too. Like, I'm just as hard on the alt-right as I am on the far, on the far left. Yeah, they're, they're but, pretty much equal. But, see, this, this is the other, this is the other really stupid thing, too, with, with YouTube. And this is where they're acting really authoritarian. Under YouTube's current bylaws, or, you know, this whole hate speech clause, yeah. which is ridiculous, I could get accused of hate speech and get thrown off them. Yeah. Not because I'm hateful, but simply because I'm playing, you know, hate speech content and yes. debunking it. Yeah, you're 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 mentioning its existence. Yeah, which is which is absurd. Me- yes. Mentioning something as existence is not the same as endorsing. Even Facebook realizes that. Like they just put out a new policy. This is that shit too, but um, they put out a policy where if you share anything that has Alex Jones or Infowars, it will instantly be taken down unless your caption is vehemently anti what he's saying. So if you share an Alex Jones video with him with foil on his head and say, oh, look how crazy this guy is saying the water's turning the freaking frogs gay, then it's allowed to stay up. But if you post something and say, hey, yeah, this guy's crazy, but he was kind of right about Iraq, it gets taken down. 
Yeah, or so that's insane because the ideas are still allowed to be out there. It's just that you have to have a little caption, some little black letters on top that say that you disagree with it. The fact that the algorithm is that accurate too is very is it's very scary. The artificial intelligence, yes. and I'm I'm not I like I said I'm not cons- I'm not a conspiracy theorist, but artificial intelligence does scare me a little bit in the sense that I don't think we I don't think people really understand understand it all that well. I'm not necessarily wholeheartedly frightened. Um I do think it could cause some issues, but one thing about artificial intelligence that I think people need to learn is they're managed with algorithms. Yeah. They're not emotional beings like people. So even though they can speak like people and they can use... Not yet. Yes. Well, I don't know if they could ever develop that because they're simply a computer a computer with code and they can understand what you put in them. So while they may act like they have emotions, those emotions are simply ones and zeros inside of their hardwiring. So I heard a great argument against the idea of... Um, the automation complaint that the left has if we need to give everyone $1,000 a month because some people may lose a job to automation, as insane as that idea is, I have no idea how some libertarians claim to be part of Yang Gang, um, <laughs> which I've met. I don't... I've, I've met them here. Yeah, yeah, I, don't I, under, I, I don't understand it. Just like how I met some people that are 100% pro-Israel and they support America's foreign policy. I don't... Some people that are here, I don't... I don't quite know why they're here um but yes i do think that artificial intelligence could i don't necessarily see it as a threat i see it as a new landscape we need to adapt to and i just want to finish the real quick i just want to finish up the swedish brony that tried to dox me just so i don't have that constantly in my head thinking about it and i can focus on things better but so it ended with me saying that I don't think someone saying they don't like a group deserves violence, but a call to violence against that group is, could be taken as a threat. And a threat can be met with force of what the threat would be. So that's basically what I said. I said, saying you don't like a group does not warrant force. Saying you want to exterminate a group could warrant force. And he was like, kill the Jews. No, I mean, don't kill the Jews. Gah! And I responded, I was like, wait, who said that they're okay with what Nazis did? And then he left me on red, and I just left it alone. And I guess he saw that he didn't get the answers. I guess he was expecting me to be some alt-writer in disguise as an anarchist that has posted memes about, that are anti-Nazi, and anti-right-wing, and anti-Trump supporters, and anti-military intervention. I guess somehow... He thought that I'd be able to think that stuff up and still stick with the all right some weird way. But I just wanted to sum that up, that he tried to bait me into a corner, and I'm not even in that corner, so he couldn't get me. But now that that's all cleared up, um, we can go back to what we were talking about with the artificial intelligence. Yeah, well, just on that whole note, it, it gets very weird because I get labeled as... Alt right, 
Yeah. You know, to... I mean, mainly because... Okay, look, I... I... So... Back during 20... 2015, mm-hmm. I said, look, I'm not a fan of Donald Trump. I'm not a fan of Jeb Bush. I'm not really a fan of any of these candidates. Yeah, I'm in the same boat. However, with that being said, I fucking hate Hillary Clinton. Oh, yeah, me too. Fucking hate her. Yeah. And I said, I will vote for whoever the candidate is. To make sure she doesn't get in. Yeah. Yeah. So... So, when it came down between Cruz and Trump, I literally said, I'm going to get a Make America Great Again hat. Mm -hmm. I'm throwing my full weight behind Trump. Mm -hmm. The the neocons came after me, and, uh, well, the Bill Bill Crystal Never Trump camp, uh, and uh, a lot of the, some, some libertarians, but... Mostly they build me alone. I will I will say this for Trump. He's he's not as bad as I thought he would be initially, but he's I, I agree on some things. I think um some things he does are a bit rough. Like obviously not a big fan of tariffs, uh not a big fan of him running on the idea of if you vote for me, Second Amendment rights will be safe, the Democrats want to take your guns and then saying I think we should take the guns first, due process second, then banning bump stocks, which I don't think they're very useful or good. I think they're... I'm willing to say that they're kind of dumb, but it's not... This is one of those things where it's not the item, it's the principle. And the bump stock is also... The bump stock ban's also written in such a way that it also bans... Theoretically, it also bans a finger that can pull the trigger fast enough. Which is absurd because all they do is bump stocks all they do is they pull the gun you pull the gun forward you pull the gun into your trigger finger and as it goes back it's the the stock has the stock that rests on your shoulder and then a little sliding mechanism lets the internal stock slide so you pull the gun into your finger and it hits your shoulder and the forward force of you pulling pulls the trigger back into your finger bounces back pulls it back into your finger bounces back and it seems to shoot fully automatic. Um, people can shoot really quick. You can also stick your finger through your belt loop and over the trigger and use the same effect. Um, so now belt loops are illegal. I don't think that that's going to be something people try and pass. Um, but it was written in such a way that they could use to ban other accessories, and now he's also talking about a suppressor ban, which are used in such a small amount of crimes that the only thing I can gather from this is that he's using it, or the deep state is using it, if they're the one who's running him, I don't really know. Um, but someone is using it as a way to get us used to more gun control. Because it that's how it always goes. Like, people have been saying this for decades. I can't stand the NRA. I think they're the worst gun lobby in D.C. Um, Ron Paul would agree with me wholeheartedly. Uh, he gives his full support to the GOA and says they're the only no-compromise gun lobby in D.C. Um, I'm a member of the GOA and the FPC, Fire and Policy Coalition. Um, and I would... You could give me an NRA membership for free, and I would I would refuse it. You would have to pay me to put that sticker on anything I own. Um, yeah, I've heard about that. I'm not familiar with what... So, 
what's the NRA's deal? Like, I was never, like, really pro-NRA, but, like, you know, like, what's, why, why aren't they the... Why are, why are there issues with them? Yeah. Well, they claim to be pro-gun. Right. Yet, the conservative lord and savior, Ronald Reagan, who is atrocious in many ways from using the CIA to funnel in the same drugs that he ramped up the war on drugs against. So he was funneling drugs into a country while throwing more people in cages than any previous president. Um, He increased spending more than every president before him combined and tripled the debt. So not very conservative on top of using the money he got from cocaine to fund the Iran-Contras, the hit squads in Zimbabwe, and also he used it to fund the Mujahideen, which later sprouted off, in some instances, into more terrorist organizations. Now, as a somewhat pro-Reaganite here, mm-hmm. I would argue that not the, not all that was Ronnie. A lot of that was... Yeah, a, you, you could argue it was people in his cabinet. Yeah. A lot of that was Bush Sr., who, by the way, most people don't know this, but Reagan did not want H.W. as his VP candidate initially. Oh? Reagan basically got told... Uh, you run with HW or you don't run at all. Mm-hmm. Reagan was more of a... Reagan, if you take his politics alone, mm-hmm. was more of a pure libertarian. But because of the nature of politics mm-hmm. and because of the business of politics, and ironically, you know, as a political podcaster... I podcast on politics, but I really don't like the business yeah. on politics. Because well, you're a libertarian. You can't like the business. But at the end of the day, it, it still is a business. Yeah. And to get elected, he had to take H.W. H.W. was the one who was pulling all the strings with, uh, you know... Foreign policy, you could argue, but there was definitely some stuff here that was purely Reagan. Um, yeah. Reagan put through... This is... I'm not saying that Reagan was a saint by yes. by any means. I'm yes. just saying that like a lot of things that libertarians blame Reagan for was actually not Reagan himself. It was people around him. Yeah. Okay. So, um, well, these next two are him wholeheartedly, yeah. and the NRA back these two things wholeheartedly, which is two of the reasons why libertarians and a lot of other people don't like them very much. Um, Reagan, who once again claimed to be pro two A. Passed the 1986 Federal Firearms Act, the biggest anti-gun law in history. Yeah. Um, The NRA backed it 100%. They backed it wholeheartedly. The group who's supposedly pro-gun rights banned the biggest anti-gun law ever. They backed the Brady Bill, um, which was another huge one. Um, Reagan also passed gun control legislation to try to disarm the Black Panthers. Uh, the NRA backed that as well. Another anti-gun law. Um, and then all the way up until now, whenever there's a high-capacity mag ban, they ask for donations while GOA and FPC file court cases. They just sit back and say, hey, we need money. And I think that if you look at the NRA supporters, it's a lot of boomers. It's a lot of boomers that say, 
You don't need one of them scary looking black guns that holds a lot of bullets. You just need something you can shoot deer and protect your family. And if you look at the NRA, all of their From My Cold Dead Hands videos is him holding up a freaking musket. You've never seen anyone, except for Colin Noir, but he's a bit of a shill. But you've never seen anyone who works directly for the NRA, like the president or anything like that, holding up, like, an AR-15 with a silencer and an ACOG sight on it saying, you'll never take this. And that's where GOA and FPC are different, where they are, they're more of the every gun law is an infringement, and NRA really is not. So, so that's where we have a quarrel with them. So I've I've got to ask you. So what what would be your like ideal gun to own then if you were? Are you asking me what I would personally own? Or are you asking yeah. me what I think gun law should be? Well, both kind of. Um, any gun that's that's hard. I think scars are gorgeous guns. They're very expensive, like three grand. Um, honestly. As much as I hate commies, between the AR and AK debate, I might be an AK guy. I, I yeah, I, I kind of. A, a lot of people peg me as that. Yeah. You, you yeah you did too. Yes. Um, I don't know if it's the the revolutionary persona I carry or what it is, I just, but I just think they look and sound cool. To yes. Be, to be honest, they're tough as hell too. There was an AK that they they do stress tests on pretty much any weapon. And an AR, you get a little dirt in the barrel, and the things can have trouble firing if you don't clean them well. In an AK, they pack the barrel with dirt, drug it through mud, ran it over with a tank, and then they just did a rough cleaning of it, and it fired. Yeah. And then there was like a... I forget if it was 40 or 60. I forget if it was 40 or 60. But there was a very old AK that they found buried in sand... And dirt, and they got it running with nothing but a bit of gun grease. That's not gonna happen with an AR. The the one the the argument that I always love that li- that liberals make specifically against like libertarian gun laws is yeah. Well, before you know it, like people are gonna want are gonna be storing tanks in their driveway. I'm now, totally fine with that. Now, yeah, like as, and as someone who's like in a wheelchair, I'm like. Do you know how fucking awesome that would be to yeah. just to like roll down the street with like a tank? But even to like the the logistics of a tank, like no, most people are not going to. Most people wouldn't be able to afford them. Yeah. So, yeah, like even in a complete like libertarian society, yes. like most people are still not going to have tanks. I do think that if they become available for civilian use, I would hope that people would be able to make them cheaper and they would come down in price and they become more affordable. I don't know if that gives you any insight into my gun laws. Um, but you, I, I, I... Meaning that you would have the same... Meaning that you would have the same type of theory on that. Though. Let's just say I saw a picture of a vending machine <laughs> stocked with shotguns, rifles, and ammo and I think that's a good idea. Oh um, yeah, I, I love that. I, yeah. I'm totally okay with that. Um, and then people say, like, oh, well, aren't they going to, like, shoot people or something like that? But if you look, like I said, 97% of these mass shootings happen in gun-free zones. And another thing, the average mass shooting, which this doesn't even fall under mass shooting anymore at this point, but the average attempted mass shooting when stopped by an independent armed citizen is the death count is, like, 1.4 is the average. When stopped by a police officer, it's 14. 
specifically in relation to, to gun per permits, what what do you think about the, the need for a quote-unquote gun permit? I think people should be able to buy machine guns out of vending machines, so I, I don't think there should I be think, any permits. Uh, yeah, I think it's... I think it's stupid too. This is where I fully agree with Ted Nugent on. on I think that the con. I think that's, that the Second Amendment basically is my gun. Well, I actually um, recommended something. As someone who doesn't believe in any government, I don't even believe in the Constitution. I, 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 I really love Lysander Spooner's take on the Constitution. It's amazing. If you ever get the chance to read No Treason by Lysander Spooner, it's fantastic. He was an individualist anarchist. Um, and an abolitionist during the time of the Civil War. Um, he was 100% against slavery. He was against the government. He actually opened a private post office to compete with the public one, and it was forcibly shut down due to the fact that he provided a higher quality service at a cheaper price. Governments don't like when you do that. Um, but he had an amazing take on the Constitution. He said, I was not there when the Constitution was written. I did not sign it. Therefore, I am not bound by it. But do you know who is bound by it? the lawmakers who took an oath to enforce it and uphold it. They are bound by the Constitution. We are not. We didn't sign anything. We didn't consent to anything. We've done nothing to give our support to the Constitution. And I think that's just a genius response. The, the logistic... I get, his, I get his argument, but the logistics of that would have been, even back then, would have been, like, impossible. In what sense? Like, the... They would have had to carry around literally by horseback for months and months and months to get support from like each individual. Or no one would have signed it. That was that was the point he was making. He he he's he doesn't think there should be a government. So his his idea isn't everyone needs to sign the constitution to be bound by it. His idea is no one should be bound by the constitution because we didn't sign it. So he's against the initiation of it. So taking that back to the gun laws, I think that as a natural part of self-ownership, absence of a government, you have a right to yourself, you have a right to your labor, you have a result to the fruits of your, you have a, a right to the fruits of your labor, and since you have a right to yourself, you have a right to defend yourself. So I think the right to bear arms comes from that. So I was actually talking to, I don't know if you know Diego Rivera, Oh, yeah, I love Diego. Yes. Um, one of the only other ANCAPs here that I know. Um, and he has he has the clout because he was an army ranger. So someone who's yeah. been in the military, who fought for the government, I mean, fought for special interests and corporations, but who on the books fought for the government to be wholeheartedly against it, says something, or at least I think so. Yeah. But anyway, I, I proposed an idea to him. This wouldn't have an effect on policy of places that have constitutional carry. And he also was like, well, there shouldn't be a law for this. But I think that we could refer to... So in his response to why would you call a law that, due to what I'll explain, he makes a good point. So I think we should just repeal all the laws. But the argument I made was, instead of constitutional carry, I believe that there should be something called natural carry. Because constitutional carry, the idea behind it is, you have the right to concealed or open carry a gun with no licenses or authority other than that granted by the Constitution. Now, natural carry is you have the right to carry arm, uh, open or concealed with no other authority other than your natural rights. 
And he said, well, why would you call law natural carry if the idea is there's no laws needed for it? And I was like, okay, cool. So we'll just repeal all laws regarding open or concealed carry. Um, not put one in that's constitutional carry. Take all of them out and have no laws regarding it. But so the point, yeah, so the point he was making with the Constitution was just that um, he doesn't think that people that didn't sign it should be held to it, and he doesn't think anyone should be held to it, except for the people who signed up to uphold it and to live by it. Um, so I think No Treason is a fantastic document. I'll, d- I'll definitely check that out. Yeah. Um, I'm certainly I'm certainly interested in reading more from the uh, ANCAP thing. Now, one argument that I always like to make is... I mean... From what I gather, anarchy is kind of, and this will be my last question. Yeah, not a problem. Isn't isn't government in some form always going to exist because pure anarchy is impossible? There's always going to be a power vacuum that gets filled. Um, I actually recently wondered about the power vacuum myself, and Lord, and specifically, I'm using Lord of the Flies as an example. They uh, they tried. Anarchy and you know, kind of collapsed. Piggy gets killed with a Kong shell, and then Jack becomes the the uh, monarchist, and then ends up killing like you know everyone, and ends up burning down the entire island up until mm-hmm. the British Navy shows up to like save that one other kid. Yeah. So. Um. I also wondered about the power vacuum myself um, because it is a question I've heard a lot. So I started to do some research, uh, asked some people who know more than me because I am by no means an expert on this. I was trying to figure it out. I've been an ANCAP for about a year, give or take a month or two. I am by no means an expert. Um, I do like to think that I'm some level of educated on this stuff. Sure, sure. Um, and w- the conclusion I've come to in the power vacuum, this is why I'm here. This is why I'm at a libertarian convention. I mean, technically, Young Americans for Liberty is nonpartisan, so I'm not going to call them a libertarian convention. But they support – if you look at the ideals they support, the party that it falls closest to is the libertarian party. Well, maybe the libertarian ideology. The libertarian party is a bit of a mess. But all that – all libertarian party jokes aside – um, the conclusion that I've come to, and that makes the most sense to me, is a power vacuum is when people need to be governed. So, if you look, if we that's 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 why I should say I'm here. Um, I guess I can I can tackle it from instead of starting from the back and going to the front, I can start at the front and go to the back. I'm at. This convention, and I am working to bring liberty to more states because I see libertarianism as a perfect, absolutely perfect meeting point between the top three parties because libertarianism agrees with the left on some stuff. They agree with the right on some stuff. So it's a compromise between left and right. And libertarianism is less government than what Republicans and Democrats both want. So it's a compromise for Democrats and Republicans. 
And it's also a compromise for anarchists that don't want any government because it's less government than we have. So it's a three-way compromise. That's why I think that libertarianism is such a powerful ideology and why I think it should be pushed more. And that's why I'm working with this. Um, Because I don't – if there was a button – I know people always talk about the button. There was a button that could bring about anarchy tomorrow. Would I hit it? No. Because I understand that the way people have been indoctrinated, they think they need the state and they will make another one. And that's a problem. Yeah. So – the solution that I've come up with, and my dad actually tried to kind of throw something at me, where he said, because um, I don't know if you're too familiar with, uh, but there's another ideology that you can look into. I don't know if you have any religious affiliations, but um, Christian anarchism is yeah. an ideology that was created by Leo Tolstoy. And yeah. he basically said that if you read the gospel, you cannot support government. If you want to live like Christ did, you cannot support government. Yeah, The two ideas cannot live together. Um, cause first off government breaks like at least three commandments because when the government provides you with everything, some people tend to worship it. You can see them having flag tattoos across their chest. There's some level of worshiping of the government. So these people, Hey, what's up? So these people that worship it, first commandment is we have no. Up too. Huh? Yeah, we'll be done in a second. Yeah. Uh, so, first idea is, or the first commandment is, you, you shall have no idol before me. When you right. worship the government, you turn it into an idol. So, that's against that. Thou shalt not steal taxes. Thou shalt not murder. A black guy doing what a cop told him to, or the seven unconstitutional illegal wars that we're in right now. Right. So. Leo Tolstoy argued that you cannot be an actual Christian that follows what Jesus said and an anarchist at the same time. So I tried to bring this approach to my dad, and he, I guess he took a bit to think on it, and he came back with, well, when it's in human nature to want government, because when the Jews were let out of Egypt, they went to God and said, we want a king. And he was like, you were just under a terrible king. Why do you want a king? And he was like, we don't know what to do. We want to be ruled. We want to be taken care of. We want a king. So... He used that as the argument against anarchism. And I don't think that's a fair argument because even though it was really shitty conditions, those people were used to it. Like, just like how people that go to prison and they get institutionalized, when they get out of prison, they try to get back in. Because you're so used to that. Right. Get up. Eat. Shit. Play outside for a little bit. Work out. Go to bed. When that's just crammed in your head, you don't you don't have anything else. That's how you function. So if these people were under a king, no, no matter how tyrannical or abusive, when you release them from that, they're going to want it back because they don't know how to run their own lives. Right, yeah. So the reason that I take the libertarian path is I think we have to teach people the immorality of government and how they can live without it before we are to get rid of it, which is why I would never press the anarchism tomorrow but right yeah and so that kind of comes down to the power vacuum answer you had the way that i see it it's you could also call it the slavery vacuum is another way that is the answer i saw where the government made slavery illegal if they made it legal tomorrow pretty much everyone would say that's disgusting slavery is a massive violation of human rights and it's a terrible thing, 
and it shouldn't exist. And as a society, we understand the negative implications and the force required in slavery and all the cruelty required in slavery. So I see the same possibility with government. If we teach people all this problems with government the same way that the abolitionists taught people about slavery, once we free them from government, they'll know how to run their own lives that they won't be running back for more. So that's the way that I see libertarianism as the answer, and that's also the solution to the power vacuum, is that if we can get the society to understand the issue with it, they won't want to go back. Interesting answer. So I think that's a good place to uh, end it. Yeah, the no last, The last kind of question I have is just self-promotion. Uh, are you on Twitter, Facebook, anything you want to promote? Yes. Um, I am jampill1998, J-A-M as in Michael, P-I-L-L-1998 on everything. Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat, that's my everything. Um, I don't have any special shows or any businesses to permit. I just have myself. But if I'm to be followed anywhere, those are the places to find me. All right. I'll be sure and follow you and, you know, list all your links on the show notes. So thanks, thanks for coming on, man. I really appreciate it. Not a problem. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. And, uh, folks, I know this was a bit of a long podcast, but I really appreciate you uh, guys tuning in as well. So I'll be back next week uh, from the home base in Florida. Until then, uh, good night, God bless, and God save this great nation.